online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, and uh, joining us live via satellite from Nashville, Tennessee, one of my favorite places to visit. He's uh, there scouting out places for me uh, right now. He's Merle Kelch as we are making financial sense. Merle, where am I going to get the best food when I am in Nashville for Thanksgiving? Well, I'll tell you what. I can't tell you about the best food, but I can tell you about some of the best songwriters of music that we found uh, is a place called Live Oak. And uh, folks were sitting here with a clear mind, but a tired one, because it was just so good last night. And <laughs> and that so, is true. You know, we, my wife and I were discussing, uh, folks, how we found out about Live Oak. We don't exactly remember how. We think it was from the Garth Brooks documentary that's on Netflix. Okay. And um, on here, he was talking about, you know, he'd like to go to this place because a lot of writers and people just sit down, they start collaborating and playing. And so it just so happens we went there last night, and one of the, I'm going to call it a songwriter's guild, and I, I know I have the name wrong, um, but uh, they sat down, the whole place was full, and they had, um, like a, I think it was 10 or 11 songwriters just get up on stage and start playing uh, their song that they just recently wrote. And so they had, you know, the first uh, order of five. I mean, they're okay. I mean, they're pretty good. You know, good lyrics, that kind of stuff. But um, you can tell uh, um, uh, the songs hadn't been finished up from a melody standpoint. And they put four more people up. And three out of the four were good. One of them's ready for radio. I mean, this guy from Texas, just unbelievable. I mean, guy had a heck of a voice. And there's a gal that was there. Um, uh, she wasn't that good of a singer guitar player, but boy, her lyrics were fantastic. We just had the greatest time. Uh, they had a, a, a gal from Sweden who was up there playing, and then the, the bar band came on, and he's got you know CDs and records and stuff. Mm-hmm. Out there. Boy, what a, what a great time was that. Yeah, you know, it sounds a lot like the uh, Bluebird Lounge. And for those of you who don't know what the Bluebird Lounge is, uh, you've got artists to the likes of uh, Taylor Swift that got their start at the Bluebird. And, and the Bluebird, uh, the ticketing in, is on a first-come, first-served basis. But occasionally, if you are lucky enough to get in the door, you'll see Tim McGraw or even Taylor herself will come out and do a set with some of these up-and-coming artists. Uh, I, that That's my favorite place in Nashville by far. Well, I'll, that's another one we'll have to try because that's, Indeed. that's uh, right down my alley, the things that we'd love to do. But Grand Ole Opry tonight. Ooh. So we're looking forward to tonight. And um, um, we're blessed to be right in the middle and real close to the front. And uh, Garth Brooks is going to be there this evening. So oh, wow. we're all pretty excited about this. And happened completely by accident, my friend. We had no idea that he was going to be there when we bought the tickets. That's that's a stroke of genius if there ever was one. Anytime you I get a chance luck, to see... But- yeah, any 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 time you get a chance to see Garth, yeah, you absolutely take it and you uh, you hang on to it with both hands because as I, I believe we've uh, uh, mentioned before on this program you've got to appreciate the artists like that uh, while they're here because uh, if this year has taught us anything, uh, you never know when you're going to wake up and see that some of them have been taken from us much too soon. As always, our chatter is uh, just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. Just because we have Merle on the phone doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you. We absolutely do, and we'd love to uh, to take your call and connect you with Merle, uh, either live on the air or during the breaks as well. Uh, Merle, one of the things that we're watching this week, uh, interest rates, once again, in the spotlight, uh, we've actually seen some good news with interest rates just uh, on the home front. Some of them have dropped just a bit. We're not talking uh, we're not talking by hundreds of dollars in interest savings, but hey, any money that you don't have to borrow 
is, uh, or any money that you won't borrow is still uh, something good. That's, that's absolutely true. And, and I have to appreciate, um, um, folks, I, I, have to, I have to say this, and, and, uh, and I have to give you a compliment, Mike, you know, put this on the air here. Because, you know, young Mike first came into this, and, you know, what do we do? And now he's coming up and he's sending me articles and challenging me on stuff. And so, Mike, hats off to you. Thank I mean, you. You're doing a good job Thank at you. that. And so I read the article, and, uh, um, of course, you know, we're, we're sitting in a hotel room in Nashville myself. Um, and uh, with that, since we're now on my phone talking back and forth, I, of course, you know, Internet's now funky on my iPad. But nonetheless, so the question was, he sent me a, an article, folks, Mike, uh, that is. I mean, articles says, oh, no, last week, Kel says that mortgage interest rates aren't going to come down at all, and all of a sudden they did. Well, we have to talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, they came down, but not much. I mean, uh, a couple of tenths of a percent, not enough to, to change the whole dynamic of the mortgage world. But it's interesting. We forget how much um, mortgage rates and interest rates and treasuries um, are affected by things that are going on from a global standpoint. And so this article actually became very good from this. So let me... Um, digress a little and, and step back and first remind ourselves that remember interest rates and the value of bonds work inversely so they're on a teeter-totter so if the values go up the interest rates come down so we go back then to the whole principles of supply and demand from economics so if everybody wants something it makes the price of course go up mm-hmm. if nobody wants it anymore they get rid of it it makes the price of course go down so when we had the the uh, conflict that's happening with Hamas um, and uh, Israel, uh, people said, well, geez, we think we want a flight to, to safety. And so people started going around saying, oh, we think we want to buy U.S. Treasuries. So as they kept buying the U.S. Treasuries, uh, which uh, buying the 10-year um, is where mortgage rates are typically pinned or hinged to, um, it drove up the more, I'm, I'm sorry, the bond values thereby driving the interest rates down and making our mortgage rates a little bit cheaper. So it was not anything more than really um, a conflict that happened globally that affected our mortgage rates uh, right here in Wausau, Wisconsin. Yeah, and, and like I, I believe I had asked you about that last week, when we, uh, Saturday morning, when we wake up to the first news that this is going on. How is this going to impact us? Because we do have a, a globally connected economy and a globally yeah, you know, yeah. connected yeah. world, for lack of a better term. Yeah. You said, well, maybe not much. Well, it, it, there was some impact, but like you said, it's not like you need to go out and suddenly refinance if you've got your mortgage back in uh, March or April. Correct. Um, you know, largely, you know, when you look at what happened with this stuff, and uh, you know, we look at it over the course of the last week or so, we saw the markets generally come up, and it came up in a number of different areas. Um, you know, first of all, we saw mortgage rates come down a little bit again because of people drive to safety. Um, but you tend to have, and it sounds terrible when I say this. In fact, many, many years ago, we had somebody call on the radio station when Tom was here. Um, in fact, I can tell you where I was. I was actually in Arizona at the time. Somebody said, you're a warmonger. I said, no, I'm not a warmonger. I don't want anybody to have war. Mm-hmm. But what typically happens during a conflict or a war or a skirmish or something of this nature, it tends to drive up those defensive stocks. So defensive stocks, they need stuff for the things that they build to send around for war, and it tends to drive up the market because now we have overtime. They need widgets. They need a widget machine. They need a piece of copper. You know, we see all the stuff that goes in, and it tends to drive the market up. So if we look over the course of this past week, there it is. It actually happened once again. And we start looking at the stocks of defense companies, and their stocks are going up. Whether 
involved or not, but that tends to be the knee-jerk reaction, just as we had the knee-jerk reaction of cash um, leaving and running into safety things, uh, such as the, uh, the the bond marketplace or the treasury marketplace, driving that market up and, and yields down. So there's an effect on that, um, uh, but you know the, the effect tends to be short-lived um, that we see. I, I don't see that what's happening inside of Israel is going to cause much of effect what's going on unless it spreads even further. And that's the conversation I'm having a lot of uh, my friends, contemporaries right now. That's mm-hmm. the part that we don't know. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. I can understand why I read it when we're sending the Gerald R. Ford into uh, the Eastern Mediterranean Sea. Um, I get it. Mm-hmm. But hopefully this doesn't escalate and spill over into Syria, Lebanon, and in Iran. You know, hopefully that doesn't happen. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. We'd be happy to connect you with him as he's live on location from Nashville, Tennessee this morning. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, scouting out places where, uh, for me, when I'm going to be in Nashville uh, next month uh, for Thanksgiving with with my sister, I can I can tell you, Merle, the uh, the grilling skills that happen in my sister's backyard are absolutely stupendous. Uh, but I don't know that they have enough food for you in the uh, traveling party uh, tonight. I have I've just actually received a, a photo of what is going to be cooked on the grill, and it looks spectacular. Well, just give us an address. We'll let her be the judge. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Merle, uh, obviously, uh, again, just because Merle is on the phone doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you. Those are open as well. If you've got a question for Merle, give us a call, and we'd be happy to connect with you. We'll have more with Merle coming up after this here on WSAU. It is 19 minutes after 8 o'clock here on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner, joined by Merle Kelch as we are making financial sense on this Saturday morning. Uh, Merle, you told me the the big theme today is uh, really going to be interest rates. Of course, there is all kinds of speculation as to what's going to happen in uh, November when the feds meet again. It looks like uh, we've been forecast to have another interest rate hike, but uh, that's not how things have turned out so far as the the money so far has come back on staying the same, at least the last couple of meetings. Yeah. You know, we'll see with the Fed. My my sniff test says we're going to go up a quarter. And if we take a look at the amount of inflation that's still popping up inside of the CPI, um, as well as the PPI and the inflationary numbers this past week, I'm going to guess we're probably going to go up a quarter, but we'll see how things settle in. So think about it this way, folks. You know, the Federal Reserve has just got this great big sponge. And when they need to tighten up the economy, they just soak up a bunch of cash and when they need to have the economy expand, they let that cash or they wring that sponge out and let that cash or that water flow through the economy. And, and so with it, there's a couple of things that have a natural effect at that anyway. One of them is a rise in fuel prices. It acts like a tax on the economy and it sucks up that cash. As well as we have something that's not into the system yet, but it's going to come back, um, which is the student loan payment. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't look at... You know, well, student loan payments, well, no, that's going to be a a real thing, and that's going to have a cause or an effect inside of the economy. We not yet know what it is. So that may act as an increase of interest rates to help settle some of these inflationary jumps up. In fact, 
one of the interest rates on a wholesale came down, one of them um, uh, came up more than expected. So from the consumer standpoint, so we'll see. You know, this Christmas has become up into Christmas. The student loans coming in is all going to have a certain amount of effect in the economy. Um, maybe the Federal Reserve doesn't have to increase interest rates. We'll see. Um, but at my particular point, I'm thinking we go up another quarter. Um, don't want it to, but I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, and no matter what, though, you have to remember that this, uh, whatever happens with the feds, I, I believe, is it going to be later this month or is it next month? I should maybe fact check myself on that. Oh, boy. Uh, when, whenever it is, they meet again to, it'll be to this, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, uh, this month in October. Okay. It'll, whenever they meet again to adjust those interest rates, uh, there, there's nothing written in stone that says that that's it. That's where it's staying because there will come a time when they need to go back down again. Maybe they'll need to come up by three quarters of a percent at some point. Th- this remains flexible. So whatever it is, I mean, it, it's really used for kind of the short to midterm adjustment in the economy because long term, uh, there's definitely going to be another change either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly going to be. Um, you know, everybody's again hoping for bad economic data so that the Federal Reserve stops increasing interest rates and makes them go down. It sounds like it's completely the opposite because it seems as though when economic data comes out and it's a little bit worse, the market goes up. It's all about that good is bad, bad is good at the moment side of the marketplace. I want to switch gears here a little bit, folks. I'm looking at an article. And I've seen a number of articles popping up over the course of the last number of weeks. In fact, um, PepsiCo actually made this a point of some of their um, uh, profit misses that they had had. And so this is an article that comes out from Clara Linney. I'm sorry, going to say Linney, I think is what it is. So the article says, what exactly are the patients taking new weight loss drugs eating and what are they avoiding? Bernstein asked them. So they were polled. And in here, they have the numbers of how many people were polled, et cetera, et cetera. But this is, a, you know, the beautiful part about U.S. analytics. I love it. So drugs, they're called GLP-1 drugs, which puts a um, hormone inside of your stomach telling you, hey, you're full, uh, such as Ozempic, Wygobi, uh, and that whole class of drugs that are used for uh, diabetes and weight loss. So obviously, they've become highly popular inside of the U.S. But what's interesting about these and he interviewed um, Walmart, um, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, um, uh, and a number of other places. And inside of this, what they found is that obviously people aren't eating as much. But when they're eating something, they're not reaching for the snacks. They're not reaching for the carb-based type of snacks. Uh, many of them are going through and they're saying having like a protein shake or having some fruit or eggs or yogurt or soup. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result of that, we're seeing a number of these snack or carb-based uh, types of products uh, the sales going down. And so here's something, again, that has an effect globally uh, that, uh, uh, you know, are, are changing things and dynamics inside of our, our portfolio. Kind of interesting. And what's really odd in this, folks, is they found that exposure uh, to snacks such as companies that are not exposed to snacks um, um, are, are better protected than others. And then you have companies where um, make spice, like McCormick and Company, um, they tend to be protected because people now want to put a bunch of extra spice and get flavors on their food. So all interesting how this whole thing comes about, all because uh, we want to get healthy and we found some diabetes medicine that helps us lose a couple of pounds along the way. 
Right. And, uh, you know, what I'm hearing in that is if you're looking for a new company to invest in, look around at what's in your house, you know, look around at what's in your cabinets and take stock of that and say, wait a minute, if I'm buying this item on a regular basis, chances are there's going to be somebody else that is too. And this is maybe something that, uh, that we should invest in. Yeah. Um, I started looking around at companies that have size 14 shoes. They seem to have a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. Of course, our chat is always just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. If you've got a question for Merle or would like some advice, we can certainly get you on the air and and uh, connect you. Of course, we always love it when we get those uh, phone calls. As Merle likes to say, uh, we also like to occasionally stump the attorney, although we've not been able to do that with uh, Alan Halgum here recently. Maybe maybe somebody can call in and, and stump Merle this time. That game might be a little easier to play. It's not difficult. I mean, it's not really a high bar. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we could do that. Yeah, indeed. We'll be back with more with Merle Kelch after this here on WSAU. Right now, though, as you look at your uh, national and local news headlines. Badger fans, uh, stay tuned. One o'clock today, pregame coverage as Wisconsin takes on Iowa for the Heartland Trophy. Kickoff is going to be at three. We will have all the coverage for you right here on WSAU. And uh, tonight, Badger men's hockey against North Dakota coverage will not be on the air. We do not have a play-by-play for that one. Uh, but one more thing before we get back to making financial sense, we have to send out a big congratulations. Uh, Badger women's hockey coach Mark Johnson won his 600th game with the Badgers last night as Wisconsin routed MSU Mankato 6 nothing. Uh, congratulations, Mark Johnson, 600 wins with the Badger women's program. Impressive. Wow. You can't say enough about what he's done since he took over 20 years, uh, 20 seasons in the last 21 years. He had the year he took off uh, to coach the national team, but nearly 20 wins a season in each one of those years. And uh, nearly all of those years as well, with some sort of postseason uh, berth. Can't say enough about what he's done there. Very impressive uh, run so far. And uh, Wisconsin sitting in good shape at 6-0 on the season. So, Mark Johnson's economy is going very, very well, to say the least right I'm now. I'm sure so. Yes. Yeah. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense. Uh, Merle, we're just talking a little bit uh, during the break. Uh, I know you had an article that you were going to uh, bring up again, and all of a sudden now I'm just blanking. So, uh, go ahead and save me. You know, at your age, this could be a sign. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, folks, just there's a, just an a article that popped up first one I've seen about the tax season. So it's an article by Andrew Kushner. And um, I shouldn't say Kushner, it's Keshner, not to be confused. So the 23 tax season is ending. There are three steps to take on now for the 24 tax season and beyond. So just kind of talking about a few things this year, a couple of different states that uh, pushed off. They don't have to actually file automatically until um, October 16th because of the storms and the waters uh, deluge and the things that are happening inside of California, uh, Hawaii, et cetera, et cetera, was one of the things. But one of the things they talked about in here, which I thought was interesting, is, is uh, in bold, um, look out for tax forms from payment platforms such as Venmo. Um, remember, a lot of these online places now are going to have to send out 1099s mm-hmm. uh, for individuals for money that went through and things are being bought and sold. You know, perhaps... Uh, 
you know, we see people who are buying and selling through Facebook. Not that that's wrong, but they're going to end up getting, they could very well end up getting some tax statements as a result of that. So if that is you, watch for that because you're going to end up getting a 1099K, uh, which was lowered down to 600 bucks this past year, and that uh, could be new. Now, that said, they're also going to limit it for people that had at least $20,000 or had 200 transactions in buying and selling. So probably for the bulk of us that are just selling them stuff and using it as an online rummage sale, uh, we're going to be just fine. But um, for those of the other you, you have to make sure that you put them inside of your taxes because certainly uh, Venmo and other places like that are going to be sending it to the IRS, and it could certainly spark an, spark an audit for you um, if you don't have that done. It used to be 1200 bucks, now down to 600 mm-hmm. to go through. So another thing is be you, beware of the easy-to-use credits for electric vehicles. So we say this is that you know we all get a credit if we buy an electric vehicle. There's also some credits that come out there for other things as far as the new electric wave. I'm just going to call it that for sake of simplicity. Uh, but the Reduction Act, Bass August, says electric vehicles can get up to $7,500 of reduction. Um, but we have to also kind of qualify for some things on that. It just doesn't automatically happen. Uh, we get that if we make less than $300,000 if we're married um, or head a household to 25, individuals 150. Um, so we can get those. But if not, if we're buying the car, people think, well, geez, I'm going to get this. Uh, credit, uh-huh, but there's an income qualifier in there before you can actually uh, do some of that work. So again, like anything else, make sure you're planning ahead before you buy that electric vehicle on whether or not you're going to have the ability to take that tax credit. Yeah, and that's just part of uh, the planning that I think uh, a lot of people need to do when they're looking at buying an electric vehicle because there, there's going to be costs associated with uh, installing a charger, uh, in your home, you're going to have to plan out where your charging stations are located to make sure you'll have uh, easy access to them when you're out and about with your vehicle, uh, just to kind of know how it's going to be used and whether it is uh, actually feasible for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then, you know, the other thing that you brought up there as well um, regarding the Venmo and the payments between friends and things like that, I think there is uh a distinction now in those payment apps that says if the payment is something just between friends, you bought a concert ticket, everybody's paying you back for it. So there will be a distinction. I think that that doesn't necessarily trigger uh, a 1099 if it's just payments between friends for drinks or a concert ticket or something like that. Is that correct? Um, There is. Yep. So there's another thing I want to add in here too. We have a number of clients that do this. So it's something we do fairly commonly. Uh, there's the ability now, um, you can do it at any point in time, um, but if you have like an IRA or something of that nature, you can actually take distributions from your IRA and give it to a qualified um, uh, nonprofit organization, such as a church or a school or something of that nature. Um, and you don't have to pay taxes on that. So you can take the money right out of your IRA or something of that nature and qualify and send it over. So it's called a qualified charitable distribution. And so look more up on that. If you're a person who's giving regularly, you have the ability to do that, give, and you don't have to pay the taxes on that gift. So this becomes popular with those that are taking out required minimum distributions because you have the ability to take this money out and it counts for that required minimum distribution. Well, at least it has in years past. Let's see what happens as in this tax year comes along. So then Plan ahead on tax brackets, and this is something we 
like to you know share with people and talk to people. Uh, we have somebody now, uh, physician retired, and he says I'd like to start taking some of this money and transferring it over into from an IRA into a Roth IRA doing a conversion. And so the first thing we have to do is to say, well, where are your taxes and income going to be? So, for example, sometimes you might be in the 15% tax bracket, folks, or the 10% tax bracket because your income's low. And it stays there from, let's say, and I'm making up a number here for ease, folks, so we can all remember this. So let's say our income is at 40000 but we don't jump into another tax bracket that's higher until 70000 So as a result of that, we have the ability to have a lower tax rate on that conversion from the IRAs into the traditional, uh, to a Roth IRA. And we very well might pay less taxes now that we're actually retired on doing that conversion than we got the write-off on when initially in the first place, giving us a little bit of advantage once again. So we have a little bit of space in there in many instances from where our tax bracket is now to where our tax bracket might go and jump up in the next percentage rates. Um, so it's a neat little thing to chat with with your financial professional or your uh, tax account and say, um, do I qualify for this? Should I convert one, two, three, five, ten, twenty thousand dollars of of, of uh, IRA dollars into a Roth IRA? Give yourself a little bit of an advantage and take advantage of some of the numbers that pop up. So, uh, another thing we could plan ahead on. Yeah, and that's uh, that's part of the discussions that uh, that you need to have with again people like Merle or your tax professional at this time of year because it's not something that is pressing right now in the moment but it certainly is going to be once the calendar turns to january 1st because at that point then obviously it's uh, it's too late to do any of this uh for the new year yeah. and you could be stuck with a, a bill that's a lot higher than you would expect yeah so the, the tax planning stuff starts now you know we um we'll start working with our clients that so we have some tax issues coming up uh, we'll start planning them now um we've been planning some in the summertime <clears throat> with exception, uh, with the expectations, we're going to have to do some stuff in, in December. So we plan to make sure we have cash here, for example. So you do a lot of that sort of stuff, making sure you have an idea and you're taking advantage of what you can. Because money you lose from the IRS uh, or give to the IRS is just gone. It's just off the warm universe. Why not keep it in your own pocket if you can? He's Merle Kelch for Making Financial Sense on AM550, FM 99.9, WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. If you have a question for Merle, Go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. And talking about the uh, conversion between the traditional IRA to the Roth IRA, uh, for somebody that's not well-versed in the uh, in the retirement world as to just exactly what an IRA is or, or a 401k, maybe to somebody out there it's just it's just that thing that they take money out of my paycheck every two weeks for and and I get a statement four times a year. What uh, what does that mean? Why, and what are the advantages to that uh, for somebody in uh, layman's terms, if you will? You know, it's that's a pretty good question because there are a lot of people who just don't know what this stuff means. And and uh, and I forget that sometimes, certainly, just because this is what I do every day. Mm -hmm. um, but there is that thing. You know, uh, we have a IRA. I'm sorry, we have a 401k. Five on this Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, we are back. Technical difficulties averted. And this is an error on the operator, as it uh, so oftentimes is. Uh, just to peel back the curtain a bit, our phone interface has a button on it that is conference, which allows us to talk to 
callers at the same time that we are talking to Merle when Merle is on the phone. And when somebody called in, uh, the brilliant operator of that phone interface realized he had forgotten to push the conference button only after the fact. So that is what caused us to hang up on Merle. He is not fired. He, in fact, is back with us. The uh, The error has been rectified. So if you do have a question for Merle, give us a call at 715-845-2155. And we did happen to have a caller on the line at the time of this excitement. And uh, Merle, I believe this caller wanted to... Uh, he was he was maybe wanting a little inside info on electric vehicle stocks. He had a few that right. he was watching. Uh, and what was uh, what was your advice uh, for this caller? So so Manny had called and um, he had said, you know, what's my opinion on what direction to take a look at from stocks from EV manufacturers? And his his asking was saying, you know, what stock do you think you might be better? And obviously, Manny. I don't have the opportunity to go through and look at each one of these stocks and give you an opinion on the financials. It's just not time to do that at this particular point, you know, this sort of set. So when I look at the manufacturers, what I find is interesting, though, is, is um, we're sitting outside of a restaurant here in Nashville right on Broadway, and they had reserved spots for Rivian electric vehicles, which, by the way, look really cool. I think they're really neat. So his opinion is asking because so many of the EV stocks have just got pummeled over the course of this past month or so. So my opinion on this is all the EV stocks that are out there, um, you have to look at the ones that are making a profit. I think the only ones that are really making any real money right now is Tesla, even though that stock is so volatile. You know, we're, I don't know if we take a look at, you know, Lucid, Fisker, Rivian. If we take a look at these stocks, I don't know if they're all going to exist in the course of the next couple of years. Simply because setting up a manufacturing company and being able to build all that stuff out costs so much money to get it done. I think they end up getting swallowed up together. And then as a result of that, um, you end up having this strong that's got the technologies out of all of them. So from each of the individual companies, you know, my suggestion would be, Manny, to take a look at their production. Are they one-hitting production schedules? And are they making money? Are they starting to get to the point where they're making a profit? Or are they still sucking money away? from venture capitalists and investors to be able to have online or ongoing um, business. So in this phase or this place, I would look at Tesla more than the others, not because I think the others are bad. It's says I know that Tesla at the moment is making some money. And so that's the thing that I like. Call me old school, but I like companies that make money. The other part of this that make a play on companies that are in the EV marketplace and make money is to go to the big three. You know, you look at mm-hmm. your bigger auto companies, their electric vehicles are coming along. And at the same time, uh, they're also making money where they can hold down the bottom line and the profit. UW strike side or UAW strike. Yeah. Side. Yeah, indeed. I, I was just going to say, you know, be you maybe uh, some in a situation like this. It's something where, you know, in some of these stocks, you might not be playing uh, the short to midterm game. You're definitely playing the long game, especially if you're going with yeah. a company that's not really well established as you kind of implied there yeah i mean you're, you're looking at um uh you know gm helping to fund a number of other companies and get them going um you know ford has, has done the same uh you know we have uh nikola trucks and that kind of stuff and so all these different companies are coming up with great ideas and they're getting a lot of funding from uh, different sources but it's got to be able to turn into selling product for some cash in hand that's where I start getting interested in. I don't like companies that are startups and are not making money yet. 
Um, if you can see a clear path of profit, it's a different, uh, different item, but largely it tends to be companies that come up with a great idea. They want to start getting stuff manufactured, uh, but they don't quite get there. Even Elon, Elon Musk, folks, um, he didn't build Tesla. He mm-hmm. bought it um, and uh, then built it up. So different uh, animal. So even he did the same. You know, and and that leads that in that uh, observation right there could lead to a whole different discussion about Elon Musk and, and just how successful he is, because oftentimes he has let somebody else lay the foundation and then he has come in and bought it up and uh, run it himself. Sure, sure. But it's interesting, that's another but discussion a, for another time. <laughs> there's, there's a quote that I want to give from somebody who had seemed unlikely this whole thing. Um, uh, but it comes out to be so true. Um, the quote is, why would I want to reinvest somebody when somebody else has already put their money and time to figure it out? I just want to be able to get in before it starts getting really big. And that quote really comes from Gene Simmons uh, from, yes, uh, KISS. Mm-hmm. So he's a huge investor inside of smaller and uh, venture capital type of deals. Um, and he doesn't want to invent anything. He just wants to get in once somebody else has to figure it out and then become part of it. The same thing comes with larger businesses. Uh, we look at Berkshire Hathaway with uh, um, Warren Buffett, who's probably the most prolific investor of our era. And uh, he just bought companies that were well-run, established, and making companies. He said, that's what I did. I just bought stuff that I knew was already good to begin with, and maybe we could make it a little bit better along the way. Um, yeah, buy stuff that makes money. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. We'll be back to wrap the show up after this here on WSAU. Wrapping things up for another edition of Making Financial Sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, Merle Kelch, uh, just before the uh, a couple breaks ago, we were in the middle of uh, a, a discussion when, of course, I accidentally hung up on you and... Uh, gave gave your wife a a slight heart attack because she thought you had been fired and she was going to be losing her way of life. Uh, we were talking about 401ks, and this is maybe a good one to kind of end on here in the last couple of minutes, and, and the differences between the regular, the traditional 401k, the Roth uh, 401k, and uh, what that could mean for for individuals. Again, we talk about that so often on this show, but we all, don't always know if everybody's on the same page. So, just give yeah, us yeah. the uh, give us the third grade field trip version of that, if you will. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it really quick since we only got five minutes left on the show. But it's, it's important to know because every once in a while we got to take a step back, and I think this is one of those times. So, Mike, thanks for your questions on this. So, you know, traditional IRA has been the IRA has been around since the '70s. You know, this is it started out we only put two thousand dollars a year in for years, and we got a tax deduction for putting the money in. So. Literally, what occurred is America wasn't putting enough money away to offset uh, what was happening with Social Security and the, you know, and, and the rise of, of course, our lifestyles. So Senator William Roth came through and says, hey, let's do a new IRA that if we put the money in, we don't get a tax break now, but it'll grow tax-free later on. And did this as an incentive for you and I as investors and Americans to put that money away um, and still get more money put away. Remember, Social Security, folks, is only designed, and it's still only designed to be a supplement. It's not designed to be retirement. So as we get out of an urban area, get into more rural areas, it's more and more the only retirement that many people have. So as a result of that, then, of course, we've had 401ks, which we all know that a couple bucks comes off our paychecks, whatever we decide to do. It goes into the 401k later on. That tends to turn into IRAs more than not. 
So now they've said, well, now we have a 401k Roth IRA where the money can go into our accounts on a uh, no tax benefit now, but tax-free dollar gross. So all that sort of stuff comes in as well as we have the ability to take a traditional IRA that we might have, even one that was converted from a 401k to a traditional IRA, and we can convert that into a Roth IRA and have it grow tax-free later on. Now, we have to pay the taxes on that when we do the conversion. So no matter what, we have to pay the taxes. But now think about this, folks. If we have the ability to start taking some money and slowly, a little bit at a time, convert it from an IRA, pay the taxes, put it into a Roth IRA, and now we have this money that's going to grow tax-free until some point in time in the future, think of the benefits of that. It's absolutely powerful. So the part I like about this is that we have the ability to do it now, and now we don't have to pay any income taxes on it. Our family doesn't have to pay any income taxes on it. And it goes off as a distribution, a state tax aside, um, to our family later on. So it can really be enormously powerful if we start doing some planning on that, especially when we're young. Now, here's where I see some mistakes happen. Um, we'll have people that will come and say, I did a conversion to a Roth IRA, and I wanted that to be safe money. Um, so I'm going to put that inside of a CD. And so the discussion we have is, you know, it's no problem with the CDs. So these CDs are you know, good investments if you want that stuff guaranteed or insured. But let's think about the logic of this. Um, what money do we want to have grow the fastest? That's that, that money that would be taxable or that money that would be tax-free forever? I'm going to go tax-free on that. Yeah, yeah. So typically you want to have your Roth IRA conversion that you may have done. You want to have that one be invested more towards the market if that's what your inclination is, to have a little more risk. Um, you would have that money be your Roth IRA because you don't have to pay any taxes on it, regardless of what it grows to. And I see more than you would like to believe, but I see more people make that stake than, uh, uh, than you would uh, uh, care to want to know i mean but we simply have to make that decision to mm -hmm. uh, have that money be the stuff for growth if we are inclined to have some growth and uh and and i think the last thing then that you really want people to to understand is to be careful about how much that you're converting if you have a 401k that you want to turn into a roth uh 401k yeah, sure. because you could end up jumping yourself up to a higher tax bracket and paying more tax then on that conversion yeah. than you would have otherwise. And, and exactly. And there's another part too, is that, you know, when Roth IRAs first came out, you could do the conversions from the IRA to Roth IRA. Um, they let you do that conversion and pay for it for four, over four years. So you could do at that time, the conversion now and spread it out over four year period of time. Also during the pandemic, um, you could do a conversion from your IRA to your Roth IRA and I don't remember exactly what it is. I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think you can spread it out over three years during that period. So watch, because every once in a while, the IRS or the government will come up to some sort of a um, uh, benefit where we can do a conversion and spread that money out over a few years versus paying all the taxes now. So that just means we can convert more money into a tax-free account and spread the tax over three years uh, versus one and jumping us up in a tax bracket. We do a little bit more planning from that standpoint and take advantage of the uh, the tax rates. He's Merle Kelch. We've been making financial sense here on WSAU. We'll be back again next week with more.